Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, and you are listening to Sign of the Times Radio. This is our third episode, and I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. Today, we are going to talk about good government. Over the next few episodes, I am going to make the attempt to systematically expose the New World Order. And I'm going to go in depth, and it's going to take a number of episodes to get through everything. I honestly don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm going to do my best to blow the lid wide open off all this. And I'm going to cite sources, I'm going to document this as best I can, so you guys can learn what's going on. So you can see the darkness, and it is there. But today, I want to go over what, at least in my mind, is good government so that you can see just how far we've strayed and you can have um, a model in mind of what government can and should be compared to what it is now. I think it's a good foundation work. So, to begin... Let's look at what government is. Government is an institution ordained by God, as it says in Scripture. And it is ordained for the purpose of restraining the evil of man. Mankind is fallen, as I'm sure we're all aware. We are fallen. We are by by nature inclined to evil. So government is an institution ordained by God to restrain the unchecked evil of man. One of the basic truths about our nature is that without governmental organization and left to ourselves, it would be absolute chaos, okay? We'd be at each other's throats, uh, passions would reign. I mean, just think about this for a second. A man catches his wife cheating with another man. He catches his wife in the sin of adultery and the man in the same sin. Passion burns and imagine there's no threat of punishment, no threat of jail, no threat of the police showing up, nothing like that. In that moment of heated sinful passion, what is there that's going to prevent that man, that sinful man from murdering both of them? Nothing. What's going to prevent power-hungry gangs from taking the streets and enforcing their will with violence and extorting people? Nothing. There's going to be nothing there to restrain them. That is why God, in His mercy, has ordained government. Now, keep in mind, before the fall, there was no government. It was a direct relationship between God and man, where God was Lord and man obeyed God, and all was well. But as it is now, you know, if everybody was a believer, if everybody out there was indwelt by the Holy Spirit, I don't believe government would be necessary, per se. That's just my opinion, but humanity has fallen. There's only a minority of people that belong to Christ, and 
Government is necessary for social stability and for the greater good. It's really a uh, biblical utilitarian argument for government that I'm making here in that it's a necessary evil to restrain the evils of men and it's here for social order, okay? It's here for the greatest good. More people survive where there's government than where there's not, even though government is responsible for countless atrocities, wars, and genocide. So we're just going to operate on the premise that government itself is a necessary evil. Now, the, the question becomes, what is government specifically? What, are, what is it? Rather than its purpose, what is this thing we're calling government? Government, in its essence, is a centralized apparatus of violence. That's what it is. It's characterized primarily by armed bodies of men whose goal is to enforce decrees. So, laws are made, they must be enforced. Otherwise, they're not properly laws. If a group of people says, hey, you can't do this, why am I inclined to obey them? Why, why is an entire group of people inclined to obey them? They, would, they could just laugh in their face and say, huh, no, we're not going to obey you. Who made you lord over us? Okay? In order to justify its decrees, a government must enforce its decrees by violence and the threat of violence, which is where armed bodies of men come in, where there is a standing army, police forces, armed bodies of men, Combined with legislative authority, you have a government. Government is essentially legislative authority justified by violence and the threat of violence. So, our question then moves on to what is the role of government? And here is where I think the founders of this country had it right, okay? Our country uh, was not founded by a bunch of Holy Spirit-filled Christians. That's what a lot of um, people in the church would like you to believe nowadays. The fact is, this country was founded by a great diversity of people, okay? Some of the people that were instrumental in the formation of this country were actually high-level Freemasons and were involved in the Illuminati to a degree, and that's just a simple truth, okay? This country was not founded by a bunch of God-fearing Christians. However, most of the people that fought and died for the ideals of liberty were Christians, at least professing Christians, okay? Real, average, everyday, God-fearing people are the ones fought and shed their blood for liberty, for the emancipation from the tyranny of the king, okay? So, our government was founded on a Christian foundation to a degree, with, with the basic idea, the basic guiding idea being that God has given rights to his creatures, moral rights to his creatures, to us, and that government's role, government's primary role, is to secure these God-given rights. 
The Declaration of Independence spells them out as the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And um, just based on an evaluation of the Constitution, we can include property in there. So the rights to life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness are enshrined in the Constitution as God-given rights. And uh, there is biblical foundation for this. After all, human life has dignity. Human life uh, is to be upheld with honor. Murder is strictly prohibited, including murder of the unborn, I might add. So we can say that because of the high level of value that God places upon human life, that human beings have the right to life. Okay? And that is a right that must be defended by the government because people in their sinful nature are prone to shed blood. As scripture says, their feet are swift to shed blood. So, governments are instituted among men to defend rights such as that. Governments are instituted, the centralized apparatus of violence with legislative authority is established to defend our God-given right to life. Okay, now there are other rights. Liberty, 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 which means basically to be free from unjustified oppression. Free to live our lives free of unjustified coercion. Okay, it's essential. Liberty is absolutely essential. Now, the Bible is less clear on justifications of liberty, but, but we can see how important it is. Uh, our very ability to assemble together as the people of God and worship Him and edify each other is based on the preconception that we have liberty to do these things. Liberty is absolutely essential. Okay? Liberty is essential. Liberty does not entail the right to take life or violate the law of God, but it does mean that we have the right to conduct our own affairs free from unjust coercion. Pursuit of happiness. The Bible does not enshrine the right of man to pursue all his sinful passions, but this is in the Constitution and the Declaration of or I mean the Declaration of Independence because the right to the pursuit of happiness is essential so that we don't discriminate against people groups, okay? We don't, you know, we don't um, get into a system whereby we are oppressing each other based on subjective preferences, etc., etc., okay? Now, again, all these rights come with the precondition that you cannot violate the rights of others. Your pursuit of happiness ends where what makes you happy violates the God-given rights of others. Okay? That's basic. And a property. This is actually enshrined throughout the Bible. Okay? Uh, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not steal. Okay? This presupposes the existence and moral justification of private property. So, we can infer that property, again, is a God-given right. I mean, I could go on for hours about these things, get into all sorts of issues about it, but I'll just stick with that and say that we can 
pretty much establish either directly or by inference with the scriptures that God has indeed given us these inalienable rights. And like I said, the great idea of the founding fathers of this country and the average people who fought and died for these ideas was that governments are instituted among men deriving their just power from the consent of the governed to uphold and defend these God-given inalienable rights. So that's why governments are there. So the proper role of government, being as it is a legislative body that upholds its legislation with centralized violence, the proper role of it is to defend our rights and it should be limited to that, okay? This is key. This is really key to understand, okay? Because the government is not a nanny. The government is not a parent figure, okay? The government's role is not to provide a living for everybody. The government's role is not to take care of everybody. That ought to be the church's role. Our role ought to be to care for the poor, and we don't do enough of it. Our role ought to be to help the disadvantaged. Our role ought to be to um, promote sound morals in society, sound ethics, conformity to God's revealed word. But we don't do that legislatively. We don't do that by force. No, as a church, we ought to uphold liberty. We ought to uphold the God-given rights of man realize that a man's sin is between himself and Almighty God, but yet boldly proclaim the truth and encourage the predominance of God's law in people's ethical decisions in life. They don't have to listen to us. We don't enforce this with violence. We do not use the government as a means to force people to conform to God's law because their sin is between them and God. So, and that, that's where the separation of church and state comes into. Church and state have different roles. We are both institutions under God, ordained by God. Yes, the state is ordained by God and that must be understood. Okay, that's why I'm not fond of these ideas to take God completely out of the state. I don't believe in legislating morality except for defending God-given rights that are enshrined in the Declaration of Independence and Bill of Rights. Okay. So they're separate. Separate spheres. The government, like I said, being a monopoly of violence with legislative authority is equipped effectively only to do one thing really and that's to safeguard our liberties against those who violate them national defense is key in that defending the life liberty property and pursuit of happiness of its people by defending the nation against foreign enemies that's key that's why we need an army that's why we need an army also to defend against internal threats criminals you know, it, it, if a gang of criminals are running the streets, we need a police force to come and stop them. And that is an example of government defending our rights to life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness. This is essential. However, the government does not do well when it takes 
money from people and gives it to others. This income taxation is a horrible precedent whereby we are ceding to the government authority to do what it was never intended to do in the first place. Government is by nature violent, and anything it does is stained by violence. Anything it does in the name of charity is stained by violence and coercion. When it takes money out of your paycheck, your hard-earned money, is that not theft, my friends? Is that not theft? The Constitution, before the ratification of the 16th Amendment, authorized the government to raise funds through uh, excise taxes and tariffs, which, if government were limited to its proper constitutional framework, would be enough to fund the government. But we've ceded to it all these additional unconstitutional powers, redistributing wealth and the like, and we've necessitated the need for the government to rob us through the income tax. And that needs to be repealed. It, it really does need to be repealed. Now, we understand that government's main role is to defend God-given individual liberty. We understand that it should not step out of those bounds because it's tainted by violence and it is a violent institution. And this is where I want to hit again the responsibility of the church, okay? Jesus said we'll always have the poor with us. That's a sad fact. And look, before I say that, in a free market where people are not burdened by heavy taxes and regulations, a truly free market, there's more opportunity for entrepreneurship. Um, me and my friends have discussed many theoretical business models that would work for little guys like us in a free market if we were not burdened by these heavy taxes and regulations. We can't afford to start these businesses we dream of because of these heavy taxes and regulations. In a free market, the average guy has a real opportunity to make his dreams a reality, make a business out of it, and earn a living for him and his family. But the government has stepped out of its bounds and has made it increasingly hard. It's created basically a monopoly economy, a kind of corporatism whereby we have an entrenched oligarchy of monetary elites who've effectively merged with government, creating some omnipresent oppressive force that reigns over society. Our whole constitutional model of government has been subverted. This is not a good trend. Now, like I was saying, the church has the responsibility of caring for the poor. The church has this responsibility. You know, where there are hungry people, we are to go feed them. Where there are people without clothing, we are to go clothe them. Where there are people uh, without a structure of support, we are to support them. That is what one of the things, among others, that our Lord commissioned us to do. So, we need to get more involved in that. We need to demonstrate to society that we are going to be faithful in carrying out the commands of our Lord and we are going to help those who are disadvantaged. And if the church did that like we are called to, my friends, we would not need the redistribution of wealth by the government. We would not need all these social safety nets because we, as the church, would be the stewards of God's mercy for the impoverished and the disadvantaged.
like we are called to be. Okay. So we need to get on our game about that, guys. Because otherwise, everybody's going to make the point that who's going to take care of the poor? Without the government. Poor will always be there. Free market, there will be less poverty and all people in general will be more affluent. And I believe that can be proven. But there will always be the poor with us. So charity is essential. We really need a public spirit of charity, especially within the church, in order for a free market to work. So that's basically the model of a good government. A good government protects our inalienable God-given rights. The state doesn't give us these rights. God gives us these rights. So the state cannot take away these rights. Okay? The state doesn't give them. God gives them. The state cannot take them away. The state's only job is to protect our rights. Outside of that, it doesn't really have legitimate authority. So look, my basic proposition for a good government is that the government should be based on and strictly confined to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That's it. That's it. That's my whole view of good government right there. A government by the people for the people whose sole goal is to uphold and defend the inalienable God-given rights of its citizens. That's good government, guys. That's good government. Outside of that, it's to be left to the states and to the people, respectively. Tenth Amendment to the Constitution. Read it. I encourage you all to get a copy of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and read them and use them because you will have to defend your liberties in the days to come because they are systematically stripping them away from us. That's my model of good government. Okay. Just some uh, final thoughts for those of you who agree with me. I I'm a constitutionalist, by the way. Um, I guess I guess I could call myself a libertarian. I, you know, my my whole goal is just to return the United States to the parameters set forth in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. That's my whole political philosophy, really. As far as uh, what we can do about it, um, if you feel led to be involved in some kind of political activity, I um, would encourage you to check out. The, uh, I believe it's the Republican Liberty Caucus. Yeah, something like that. But there, there is a libertarian force within the Republican Party seeking to move the party into uh, that line of thinking. Ron Paul was extremely successful in creating a significant segment of the Republican Party that's based on the principles of liberty in uh, the Constitution. So I think uh, rather than jumping on the Libertarian Party bandwagon, although it is the third largest party, it's still insignificant. It's still not going to really win elections. I think what we need to do is, as Libertarians, as Constitutionalists, work within the Republican Party to build a strong Libertarian force and hopefully pry the party out of the hands of corporatist elites and return it again as a vessel for the people to restore the ideas of liberty and constitutionalism. And um, that's my basic view of good government, and uh, thank you for sitting through my rants here. I, I hope it's given you something to think about, 
And you know what? If you disagree with me or got criticisms of these ideas or have different models, I'd love to hear from you. Just uh, email me at signofthetimesradio at hotmail.com. I'd love to have that correspondence. Um, I thank all you guys. These podcasts, I'm proud to say, are now available on iTunes. You can find them in the iTunes store. Just search for Sign of the Times Radio. And uh, you'll find them all right there. And like I said, the next number of shows, I'm going to be systematically exposing the New World Order. So if that's what you've been waiting for, good news. Because I'm going <laughs> to go over that until you're sick of hearing me. Trust me. So now that we've got the foundations laid, you know, I've shared with you guys the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've shared with you um, the foundational material about how to be healthy in this time of trouble, both physically and mentally. And um, I've given you a picture of what good government is and what it means, at least in my view. I, I think we've built the groundwork to really get into an in-depth discussion about the New World Order and systematically expose who they are and what they're doing and where they're taking us. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Sign of the Times Radio. I hope you'll tune in next time and all the shows to follow. Please go ahead and find us on iTunes and subscribe. I would really appreciate it. I'd like to know who's listening out there. And uh, please email me at signofthetimesradio at hotmail.com to correspond. I will address your emails on the show if you'd like. And uh, yes, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate your support.